Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're talking with Phil Cook. Phil is a man of many talents, being a filmmaker, media consultant, television producer, author, and much more. Today, he'll share leadership insight as well as delve into his upcoming book, Maximize Your Influence, how to make digital media work for your church, your ministry, and you. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, we're back for another episode of Avail Podcast, where we are talking to leaders. You are a leader. That's why you're here listening or watching this podcast. And today we have a great privilege. We are with an amazing leader. We are with a man who has been making a difference for quite some time. Phil Cook is a filmmaker, media consultant, television producer, and author. Uh, He's recently completed uh, his book, Maximize Your Influence, How to Make Digital Media Work for Your Church, Your Ministry, and You. And he has a heart for equipping people to fully utilize the influential value that digital media possesses. Phil, I'm so happy to be here with you on the Avail podcast. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love anytime I'm together with you, we have a terrific time. So I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> uh, Phil, you know, I think one of the, before we jump into some questions, especially everything that has sure. to do with uh, digital media, can you just share a little bit about your story? Yeah, I'm a preacher's kid. Actually, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, back in a very back in a much earlier time. My dad was a pastor, and um, I have worked behind the scenes in churches and ministry organizations my whole life. I mean, I filled 10 million communion cups. I've made thousands and thousands of church bulletins back in the old mimeograph machine. I mowed the church cemetery. Um, I've just been behind the scenes my whole life. And I've always had a passion to engage the culture with the gospel. Back in the, when I was a kid, there was a rage among pastors in our community that they would do crazy things to try to draw attention to the gospel. A lot of gimmicks, they would shave their head if enough kids came to Sunday school, or they would sit on one pastor side on a pole for two or three days until they could get Sunday attendance up. People would just do crazy stuff. And I remember even in junior high and high school, kids would say, Phil, why do these pastors do such stupid things? And I thought that's the way they're perceived by the culture. And so I've always had this real burden in my heart for how, you know, Hmm. this understanding that it doesn't matter how strong we are as Christians. It doesn't matter what our message is. If nobody's listening, we failed. And we have to understand how people perceive us so that they'll open that door to hearing the gospel. So that's always been a real passion of mine. And as of course we became a media driven culture, I got right into that flow. I studied film in college at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And eventually we moved to Los Angeles, California, where we live and work now with our team at Cook Media Group. And we come along, you know, we produce a lot of our own stuff, but we also have a real heart to help churches, ministries, pastors, leaders, help them navigate this incredibly fast-changing media world that we live in today. So that's kind of where we come from and what we do. I love it. I love hearing the story because um, it, it's really amazing to see how much you've been able to do with Cook Media Group. And I and I really feel how much is, is coming out of what God has placed in you, your wife, your team, and all the people that you guys are kind of leading and coaching. Can you tell us a little bit, Phil, what first made you get involved with digital media and how has that grown in you since? 
Oh, that's a question. I, I, I remember when I was in high school, I had a group of friends that that wanted to make movies. And, um, you know, my dad had a Super 8 movie camera, film camera. That's how old I am. And it would only go for three minutes on a reel. But we'd make mafia movies. We'd make scary movies. We'd make frogman movies. We'd make all kind of space movies, all kind of stuff. And um, when I got to college, I thought, you know, I'm going to take my dad's camera. I'm going to take my films. Maybe I'll find some guys that want to make movies there. And never thought, you know, I mean, the thought never occurred to me that you could actually do this for a living. I was just having a great time. And my first day of college, I'm literally unpacking my suitcase. A couple of my movies roll out and a guy across the hall, Rod Carlson, I'll never forget, said, hey, I'm taking a film class. I can show you how to edit those things. I didn't even know you could cut film back in those days. And so that night he took me down to the film department. We were working on my little movie and the professor happened to be there. He was working on some project late at night and he's, he was leaving the, the film department late, late that night. He stopped and introduced himself to me and said, hey, I've been watching your little movie out of the corner of my eye. And I've got students that have been taken for two, three years that still aren't this good. Would you mind if I just showed your little film in my class tomorrow? And I said, yeah, absolutely. If I could sit on the back row, I didn't know what major I was going to do. I thought about being a piano major because you know when you're a preacher's kid that's kind of a requirement <laughs> so i just didn't know what to do but i said sure show my movie i'll sit in your class and so i sat on the back road the next day he showed my movie and trust me it was not anything to scream about but after it was over they discussed it this class talked about my little movie and this i'll tell you this thought occurred to me is probably the most crystal clear moment of revelation i've ever had in my whole life and this thought occurred to me that if i can do something with a camera that makes people talk like this this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And hmm. so I literally changed my major that day. I started enrolled. I rolled in film and television and I have never looked back. And the whole digital media world just kind of came along in the process. Back when I was doing it, it was big primetime TV specials and big movies and the independent film movement finally came in and then digital media started evolving. And so, you know, I've just kept, tried to keep on the front end of all these changes that have happened that have happened out there. And it's been an interesting, interesting journey. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot of story. If we had more time, we could go into some of the story. Oh, yeah. Uh, let, let's go right now into the story of what inspired you to write uh, this most recent book, Maximize Your Influence, how to make digital media work for your church, your ministry and you. Well, you know, when the COVID-19 pandemic happened and churches were locked down, I thought, hey, we'll be out of business. You know, nobody's going to call us anymore. But suddenly we were flooded with calls because pastors and ministry leaders had no idea what to do. They didn't know much about live streaming. We've been working with clients for years, live streaming their services. But so many pastors had virtually ignored that. In fact, I'd had, I've had pastors come up to me and say, you know, Phil, I don't mind live streaming my service, but that's not real ministry. Well, let me tell you, when the live, when the when the COVID shutdown happened, they completely changed their tune, and so we started getting calls. In a few months in, I started recognizing that you know seminaries do a great job of teaching pastors the Bible, teaching mm. them doctrine, teaching them how to preach and manage a church, but they don't teach them anything about communication, about media. And we live in an age today where that's so, so vitally important. So yeah. I started working on this book based on a lot of stuff I've written on my blog at philcook.com, started adding things to it, particularly in light of that streaming shutdown that was going on and how to make that more effective. And I cover everything in the book from, you know, websites, book publishing, short videos, social media, even how to speak mm. to a digital generation. You know, the generation, this culture has changed so much in the last 20 years that pastors and leaders need to understand how that's how that change has happened. And so I came out with a book really 
designed to be a reference to sit on every pastor or ministry leader's desk uh, when they're faced a challenge. You know, it's not a technical manual about how to build a website or how to launch a social media strategy. <clears throat> it's more what leaders need to know, what they need to yeah. know, how to get involved, how to get your message out there. I mean, you know, the stakes are really high these days, and we need to understand how to leverage media if we're going to get our message heard. That's good. Um, you know, we're we're reaching a lot of leaders here, Phil, a lot of pastors, ministry leaders, people yeah. that have some kind of influence. Um, and, and I really think that some leaders actually think, and I'm thinking of pastors and friends that I have that might think, you know, that's just not my thing, right? You know, media, you know. Yeah. And why would you say, Phil, that being involved in media matters? If I'm a leader, why should this yeah. be important to me? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, the Apostle Paul built the foundation of the early church using the media technology of his time, which was mm -hmm. letters. Uh, then along 1500 comes along and Johannes Gutenberg invents this amazing printing press. Martin Luther, an obscure monk in Germany, realized its potential and became the best-selling author in the history of the world at the time. And so I think throughout history, we've seen Christians step up to the plate. I mean, at the turn of the last century, the American Bible Society in New York had seven steam-driven printing presses. I mean, that was more than any organization anywhere in the world had at the time. They were the leaders in understanding how to use technology to get the word of God, of God out to people. And so I just think that, you know, we, we wouldn't take a pastor seriously today who said, you know, Phil, I just don't, I'm not into books. I don't, I don't think books are very important to a life in ministry. We wouldn't take that guy seriously at all. Well, I think in the future, we're not going to take seriously somebody who said, you know, Phil, I just don't take social media seriously. I don't think websites matter. I don't think short videos are important. They've just become a part of the language of our culture. And I think if we really are serious about impacting this culture today, we need to understand how the media works. One of the things that's kind of funny is most of us think, you know, when the digital revolution happened a, a number of years ago, it was about getting a new TV set. Let me tell you, it is so much more than that because it's impacted yeah. education, business, medicine, missions. It's impacted everything you can possibly imagine. So I think this digital revolution is going to be much more significant and far-reaching than the, the printing revolution, the print revolution that happened in the 1500s. I just really believe that this is much greater than people think. It's allowing us to reach an audience you could never reach. I mean, during the shutdown, I had a pastor call me. In, in the South here in the U.S., he ministers, he pastors to 900 people. And he said during the shutdown, he said, um, it's really funny, Phil, before the shutdown, we had 28 subscribers to our YouTube channel. Now, mm. three months into the shutdown, we have 23,000. He said, wow. we, we regularly get 30 to 40,000 people a week watching our services. Now, we're a 900-member church, but we regularly get 30 to 40,000 people a week a week watching our services online. And he said, so far, 1.5 million people have watched my Easter message. So wow. when you look at that, you realize pastors and leaders who embrace media, they have such more, they have such a great potential for getting the word out to so many more people outside the walls of their church than ever before. So I, you know, I, I don't try to shame or guilt pastors and leaders into it, but I do wish they'd put their toe in the water and at least try it. Because I think uh, in so many cases, I found pastors who did that discovered, oh, my gosh, this is an entirely new world that's opened up to me and sharing my message. And they never, ever look back. That's so good. So would you say this is why you wrote the book? 
Oh, totally. Why I wrote the book. I mean, my book is in many ways for novices. It's also for more experienced people, but it's really a book on how to engage in these areas. Short <laughs> films. I'll give you a great example. Short videos have become the number one marketing tool in America. Two hmm. to four minute videos have become incredible. You know, it's funny that it, it's kind of sad, but up until the, you know, from the beginning of the internet to now, the most watched thing online has been pornography. But as of last year, for the first time in the history of the internet, watching short videos has exceeded pornography. In fact, wow. more, there's more internet bandwidth taken up with short videos than anything other than Amazon Prime or Netflix. So the question is, how could a short video tell the life-changing story of someone whose marriage was transformed, <clears throat> who got saved wow. or delivered in your church, whose life was changed? We need to tell those stories because people are eating them up and sharing them through social media. There's so many ways like that. Using media it does take a big budget. I mean, we all have a, we all have a television studio in our pocket you know it's called an iphone and if we use that effectively in fact let me tell you it's funny there are two film festivals in america right now for feature movies made on iphones so let no me tell way. you you have much more power in your pocket than you think so whether you think you have the budget or the staff you can do some remarkable things without any budget at all you know i, I want to just i want to kind of mention something here phil because i want to be honest right um sometimes yeah. What you see on Christian television or what you see sometimes coming <laughs> from churches, yeah. it's, it's, it's not the best. I don't know. I don't know if it would be quality or it's not excellent or it's not relevant. Maybe that's the word. I don't know. Uh, can you just shed some thoughts into that? Because I, I don't want to offend, but, but I just think if we're real, no. sometimes we don't, have, we don't have the best. You're right. It can also uh, often be quite embarrassing. But one of the, one of the reasons is in the very early days of of media, back in the radio days and the television days, when people like Billy Graham or Oral Roberts or Fulton Sheen on the Catholic side really embraced the media, most of the people that embraced it in those early days were not producers. They weren't creative people, designers or writers. They were pastors mm. or preachers. And so they didn't know anything about how to put together a great television program or an engaging radio program. They just had this desire to preach the gospel. So, so often that launched, in so many cases, that launched what we call Christian media today. The problem is we've had some time to catch up now. And there's a new generation of really talented, creative Christian producers and directors and writers and designers and actors out there. And it's time we really, really did raise the bar. And I encourage everybody that's involved in Christian television or Christian radio, it's time to move past the embarrassment and try to do something really quality. I mean, the truth is, as I said before, I don't care how great your message is. If nobody listens, we failed. So if poor production quality, if a bad presentation stops people from listening to your message, that's your fault. That's your fault. Mm. That's not the world's fault. It's not the devil's fault. It's, it's your fault. So I think we just need to embrace that responsibility, get advice from people that understand how to make compelling programs, how to make compelling social media, how to do short videos, get good advice and try to be you know, as good as anything out there. I mean, we're Christians. We, you know, we worship a creator God who chose to introduce himself in the first verse of the Bible as a creator. And we are made in his image. We shouldn't be producing cheesy, corny videos and social media and television programming. We should be doing some remarkable things out there because that's really how, how that hooks people is a powerful way to get them to open that door to listen to our message. 100% agree with that. Um, so Phil, something that's really neat, you've you've produced programming in 65 countries around the world. You have worked with creatives your entire career. 
why is it important for leaders, ministry leaders, pastors, to know how to lead, inspire, and motivate creative people effectively? Because I think that's where the key is. It's really true. You know, a number of years ago, IBM did a study of CEOs. They, they sent a questionnaire out to about 500 major CEOs across the country. And they asked, what is the one single most important thing that leaders need to know for the future? And almost unanimously, it was creativity creativity. We live in a creative economy. Creative people are the movers and shakers of the world we live in today. They decide who the influencers are. They decide what influence that is out there. And so I think if there's one thing we need to learn as leaders is learn how to harness, inspire, and motivate creative people. Again, pastors, they don't get this in seminary. I've included a lot about that in my book, Maximize Your Influence, because I do think it's so incredibly important. I think you, you may you may only have a designer on your team, a graphic designer, maybe you have a video person on your team, or maybe you have a bigger communications team at your church. Whatever it is, I believe that we really need to understand how to lead those people. It's funny, my friend John Maxwell and some other fantastic leadership teachers uh, have been out there for years creating some just amazing leadership resources. Sam Chand is another, Patrick Lencioni. Mm -hmm. Guys have created some major leadership resources out there. But the truth is, not many people talk about leading creative people. And, creative. and trust yeah. me, we're a different breed. We're a little bit different breed. We're different from the accounting department. We're di <laughs> different from the, the children's program and other things. We're a little different breed. So it takes some different techniques to try to really maximize what you're getting. And here's the thing. If you're willing to do that, they can amplify your message to places you could never <clears throat> in a million years get to. I mean, a pastor by himself is pretty much going to preach to whoever's in front of him on Sunday. But a graphic designer, a writer, a video person, a webmaster, they can take that message and make it available to hundreds, thousands, even millions of people beyond the walls of that church. So having that desire to lead creative people, I think, is a first step toward getting your message really out there in a so much bigger way. What, what would you say are some of those challenges? Again, um, in my case, it's okay. interesting because yeah. I'm a musician, you know, I, I kind of grew up kind of in, in, in a lot of art and creative stuff. So I'm, a, I'm mm -hmm. my team tells me, Pastor, we love you because you understand the importance of audio and video and all that. Yeah. Um, but why do you think there's so much challenge? Because I think there's frustration sometimes uh, when a pastor or a CEO leader is like trying to lead this creative group of people, but they don't they're not connecting or they're not understanding. What do you think are some of those challenges? Well, I think number one, we need to value creativity. We create, need to create a culture where creativity is valued. My dad good. is a good example. He was a pastor. He had about two or 3,000 volumes in his personal library. Didn't own a single novel, not one. It was all nonfiction. He wanted the facts about stuff. He was driven by facts, but he didn't really understand the potential of creating, creatively using you know, creatively, I should say, creatively sharing those facts in a really mm -hmm. compelling way. And so I think today, most pastors are in a similar boat. They really don't understand the value of creativity. So they don't, they, they haven't invested in a creative atmosphere. So I think number one, build that kind of atmosphere. Number yeah. two, be flexible. You know, the creative team is not exactly like everybody else. Maybe they want to work a little different hours. And here's the thing, if you can be flexible with them, the harvest you'll reap is really quite amazing. I, like me, I, I, might, I do my best work between 6 a.m. and noon. Afternoon, eh, I can do podcasts or interviews or phone calls or meetings, but intense creative work, I need to do it early in the morning. My wife, Kathleen, is different. She's really, she gets wired late at night. She keeps rock star hours. So we've had to work that out in our marriage. But the truth is, understanding the flexibility of how creative people work 
is absolutely critical. Another thing I'd say is create an environment of, I don't know, I, I, what, I, what I really want to say is create a kind of a, a safe environment, a stable environment. You know, mm-hmm. we want creative people to be wildly creative, but they're not going to be wildly creative if they're concerned about the organization going out of business, if they're, they're being mm-hmm. threatened with their job, if this new logo doesn't work. So many leaders feel like the way to motivate people is just say, hey, if this campaign doesn't work, we're all out of business. I mean, that, let me tell you, that's the worst way to motivate a creative person. They need to be in a stable environment at work so their creative stuff can be really, really amazing. So think about that. I think that's really, really important as you do. And, and I think the last thing I'd probably say about creative people, and there's so many more, and I talk about that in my book, but there's so many more things. But I think one of the key elements of working with creative people is um, have fun. Just have a fun environment. You're never going to be productive. You're never really going to maximize your creativity (laughs) if you're not in an environment that has fun. I I know that, you know, there are visionary leaders out there, but there are organizations that they work in that have such an oppressive environment. I've actually been to ministry organizations I've consulted with over the years that the minute I walk on their campus, you almost feel the oppression. People are sniping at each other behind their backs. They're backbiting. They're criticizing each other. It's just an oppressive culture. Let me tell you, I don't care how creative the vision is of the leader. It's never going to manifest itself in that kind of environment. So having an environment that values creativity and it values fun, I think is a real critical thing at your church or your ministry or your business, because that's going to inspire people to do amazing things. I love that. I think it's great advice. Leaders, leaders, listen, listen, and learn from someone who's been there and done that. Uh, I love this, Phil. I think I think what you're sharing here is so key, especially in the season and in these times that we're living. Um, I want to jump on something, and, and I, I just think, That's I true. think it's helpful, even though somebody might think I'm being cruel. But what are some mistakes that you see out there regarding media. Uh, I think it's good when we talk about it because we realize that a lot of us do it and we can get better. But what are some of the mistakes you see out there? Oh, it's true. I I joke sometimes that I'd like to start a museum of bad Christian media, but I can't find a building big enough. Um, (laughs) There, there, you know, as I say, I don't, I'm, I'm not cynical. It doesn't make me cynical at all. I think these are really good hearted people trying to do the right thing, but most of them haven't been trained. So yeah, I think many of the mistakes are we get the message right, but we don't understand the power of packaging. You know, in a media-driven culture, packaging matters. One study Mm. recently by Microsoft indicates that we have about, you know, when we meet someone for the first time or engage with a product or engage with a television program or something else, we will give it between four and eight seconds, which incidentally is about the length of a goldfish's, uh, you know, their, their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their uh, attention span. yeah, attention span. That's it. A goldfish's attention span is what we've been reduced to. It's unbelievable. Um, so I think the critical thing is we need to understand that the package matters. I tell pastors all the time that in a four to eight second world, I'm glad your sermon's anointed. I'm glad your worship is amazing. But in that kind of world, what's the parking experience like? You know, what's your lobby look like? Who's the first person a new visitor meets when they walk in the door? Trust yeah. me, people today are making decisions long before they ever get to their their chair. And so I think we just need to understand that that first impression matters more than ever. I was at a church on the East Coast recently, and they were rightly concerned about kids' safety. And I think that's really important. They were really concerned. However, when you walked in the front door of the church on Sunday, there's a police car sitting right next to the front steps. You walk Hmm. in, there's two uniformed officers in the lobby. 
Over to the left, there's a giant high security desk with big video monitors with plain closed officers behind that. I mean, you literally feel like you're walking into TSA, not a church. Uh, and so I, I just brought it up with the congregation or with the, with the leadership team, and they it never crossed their mind. They never thought about it before. So we have to really take a hard look at the way people yeah. perceive us. What is their thoughts when they walk in the building? You know, how, how do they view our church? Because it's not the same. So I think that that's a, a big mistake is we're not thinking about how other people see us. And we're not thinking how quickly they really engage with us. I think that's just so very, very important. Another thing I would say that we don't do very well is, you know, we try to be all things <laughs> to all people. This is going to probably make some people angry, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we, we get the Great Commission kind of confused. Certainly, we're supposed to reach the world, but the truth is your church is not going to reach the world. Your ministry is not going to reach the world. If you think it is, I'm sorry, but you're failing. The truth is we need to find out who are the people you can reach. Who is that low-hanging fruit that because yeah. of your message, your style, your community, the people that come to your church, your geographic location— who are those people that we are really, really good at getting mm. in this door and focus on them? And the truth is, if every church in America did that, we really would reach the world. So I think that we have to understand our place out there and who the people are likely to come and hear our message. Focus on those instead of, instead of trying to dilute our message and try to reach everybody because we're just never going to be able able to do that. I'm sorry, I, I kind of start preaching when I get on these subjects because <laughs> I think it's so important that people understand this today. It drives me nuts that that pastors and leaders just don't get that. I think it's great. I, I think, you know, finding that sweet spot, that's such a, just that could be a whole podcast right there. Just how do we find our sweet spot and, and understand who it is that we're called and designed and strategically positioned to impact, to reach, to, you know, to transform. Yeah. Uh, I love this conversation, Phil. This, this is great stuff. Um, could you, is there a place to learn a little bit about that? Like, where, can people find, go somewhere to learn a little bit about about techniques and strategies? Absolutely. I mean, certainly on my blog at philcook.com, I talk about this stuff all the time. By the way, I'm Phil Cook with an E, C-O-O-K-E.com. I talk about this stuff constantly. I live at the intersection of media, faith, and culture. And my, my passion mm. is to help churches really understand how to navigate this world. And so I'm always writing about how to engage culture on that level and, and what we need to know about as leaders. And I'm not the techie guy. I, I'm not really interested in the techie, you know, what what's the camera you need to get? Trust me, you can find that out from a, from a, a, a typical high school kid in your congregation. Um, I'm not interested so much in those things, all those, you know, technology is important. I'm more interested in how we use it and how you as leaders who might be watching or listening to this today, how you as a leader can use social media more effectively, how you can connect with people better, how your live stream would reach more people. I think there's so many areas like that. And I write about it there. I've certainly written about it in my book, Maximize Your Influence. And I've got plenty of other books, Unique, Telling Your Story in the Age of Brands and Social Media is a book I wrote on branding and positioning, how that perception of the culture works. And how as a pastor or ministry leader, you need to understand that if you're going to connect with, with, with a potential audience out there. So all those th kind of things are really critical. And I'd encourage people to go check it out. It's a, a really good place to go find that stuff out. Yeah, I remember. I remember um, in an interview I did with with your wife Kathleen, we talked about influence labs and 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 how yes. people can learn more even through that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, well, we launched a nonprofit a number of years ago called the Influence Lab because it really came about because so many people reached out to us internationally to learn about media. I'll tell you, uh, even when the church wasn't getting it here in the U.S., internationally, people understood that. We were getting emails from China and India, Mongolia, Africa, South America, really asking. In fact, it's interesting that during the church lockdown, I would do Zoom teachings. I did a a Zoom teaching, a training session for 200 pastors across Russia, another one with 165 pastors in South America, another one with Portuguese pastors in Portugal, Brazil, and Angola. Um, They're hungry for this kind of stuff. So we were going overseas at our own expense for years trying to help teach and train. And we decided let's launch a little small nonprofit to help other people who might want to help fund this kind of effort. And we've done things, for instance, we worked with a church in Cairo, Egypt, that's producing 80 hours of satellite television every month for the Muslim world. And they ask us to come in and bring a social media teacher, a screenwriter, an acting teacher, a director, and a camera operator, and spend a week doing intensive training with their creative team there. And we've done it all over the place. We've been to India multiple times. We've been to Africa multiple times, South America. There's just such a hunger out there. And I encourage you, it's influencelab.com. It's real simple, influencelab.com. I'd love for people to go there and find out about it because it's just an effort to try to raise the kind of funding we need. One of the interesting things that we get to do that I think is, I don't mean to to ramble here, but, but I live and work in Hollywood. And there's some remarkable Christians at very high levels levels in Hollywood who have, who have come to me and say, Phil, I'm tired of doing stupid movies. I'm tired of doing mm. lame TV programs. How can I use my skill as a producer or a writer, a director, an actor to help Christians understand media more effectively? So, and, and they've said, look, give me a plane ticket. And I'll go anywhere you want in the world for a week and teach and train people how to do it. So we've been able to hook up with real high level leaders in Hollywood take those remarkably skilled people to remote places on the, on the planet so cool. and teach social media, video, all those kind of things. And it's really making an impact out there. So good. Uh, as we're winding down here in this final stretch of the conversation, Phil, Hey, a lot of us are back in our buildings, even though they're still, you know, we're still not completely out of this whole, you know, pandemic situation. We're back in our buildings. Does the live stream still matter? Absolutely. You know, this is not the time to take your foot off the gas when it comes to your live stream. One of the things I'm seeing out there is that I think a significant number of people will probably cut back physical attendance to, you know, maybe two to three Sundays a month. Maybe they'll skip showing up at church on, you know, that fourth Sunday or maybe that third and fourth Sunday um, and, and stay at home and watch the live stream. After all, you know, when pastor called me and said, Phil, I've spent a year telling people how awesome live stream worship is. How am I ever going to get them back in the building? Well, you know, Frankly, it will be difficult. And I think the the big challenge is make sure you're doing things in the building that can't possibly be replicated online. Make the building experience so amazing that they're going to want to come back. However, I still believe with all my heart that people are going to want to stay home. Plus, keep in mind, think of the number of people that have been watching your live stream that don't even live in your city or even your state. Right. And yet they're watching. One thing I discovered was the number of people that they they still will attend their church, but they started liking a lot of other pastors and teachers live streaming on Sundays. So they're watching. I've I've met enormous numbers of people that watch four, five, six live streams every week (laughs) because they're so curious about what other people are teaching. So absolutely don't let up the gas. And the other thing I would say is it's interesting how pastors are rethinking 
Sunday services in light of this whole lockdown and what we've been mm. through with the live streaming world. I, I talked to one pastor recently who's going to keep live streaming only for three Sundays a month. And on that fourth Sunday, he's going to have a big blowout worship experience on Friday night. Wow. Then on Saturday, he's going to take his church into the street to minister to people. Then Sunday, have a big service at the church, but only do that one weekend a month. Another church that I talked to is doing kind of a Catholic daily mass thing where he's getting a group of three to 400 people on a Facebook group every morning doing an hour teaching and worship time. And then over the course of the day, three to 4,000 end up watching it played back. And he's doing that every single week. And I talked to a pastor recently who's done communion for something like 465 days straight online. And so there's just, it's interesting whether you like those ideas or not. It's interesting for me to say, you know what? We pretty much done church the same way for hundreds of years. Maybe we need to rethink what church is, at least the order of service or the things we do or how we do it. So I think some it's it's really interesting to see pastors kind of rethinking what that model could be and how we could reach this culture more effectively. That's good. That's good. Um you mentioned a few things, a few ways already. Can we just reiterate where can listeners connect with you and with Cook Media Group? Absolutely. You know, when you go to my blog at philcook.com, there's plenty of places to connect with me. You can, can send me an email. There's a way to reach out to me that way. I'm also on social media at philcook, P-H-I-L-C-O-O-K-E, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And you can search for Phil Cook on, on Facebook. Um, there's there's just a lot of different ways to get in touch with me. And I encourage you to, if you have a question, I'm thrilled. One of them, one of me or one of our team members will get back in touch with you and help you find the answer that you're looking for. And certainly you can go, go on Amazon or you can go to influencematters.com and find about our book. Uh, also our team, Cook Media Group, cookmediagroup.com is out there. And we'd love for you to take a look at that and see what we do, how we come alongside churches and ministry organizations to help them take their media outreach to an entirely new level. It's really interesting to see when the light turns on with pastors and leaders, how effective they can possibly be. So we're thrilled to be a part of that. So good. Hey, everybody, I want to make sure you really get out there and get the book, Phil's book, Maximize Your Influence, How to Make Digital Media Work for Your Church, Your Ministry, and You. It is going to be very helpful. In fact, you might want to gift it to some of your team members, some of your creative team members. I know it's going to be a great blessing for them. Uh, speaking of, of resources, uh, Phil, I'm holding here one of the Avail uh, leadership journals, the Avail <laughs> journal that Talk comes about out a classic quarterly. issue. You see this classic <laughs> issue I got here? <laughs> uh, absolutely, what a handsome guy! What yeah. do you think? What do you think? What do you think about the Avail journal? I love it. Actually, I love it. I think you guys have done a brilliant job putting together pastors, leaders, both from the Christian and the secular world. It's interesting. You're, I'm getting perspectives there from a lot of different places on how to be a better leader, and I'm 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 a big fan of all things leader. Uh, they, they've allowed me to send them some articles over the last year. And uh, I want to focus more and more on leading creative people. So maybe we'll put more information in there like that. But I just think it's a great journal. And I encourage people, sign up, get it. You need to, you know, that whole garbage in, garbage out thing is true. What you're feeding yourself is going to help take you to the next level or it's going to leave you stuck. And I think resources like Avail Magazine, Avail Journal are absolutely critical in helping you get to the next level in your leadership thinking. Yeah, so good. I'm holding here one of the, one of our uh, uh, past editions. Here's one of your articles, Phil, behind the lens, and uh, and it also talks about in this uh, avail journal specifically about maximize your influence. There it is. There it is. There's the book. You got to get you it. There you go. Wow. It. And uh, hey, if you're listening or watching, you can get 
a free annual subscription. I just said it, free, free annual subscription, which means you're going to get four of these. They come out quarterly. Amazing resources for leaders by leaders from all different, you know, parts of, of uh, ministry marketplace. It's going to be awesome. You're going to you're going to have amazing uh, contributors like Phil Cook like, on this cover uh, with amazing articles and uh, you, you're not going to regret it. So make sure you go to availjournal.com, availjournal.com, and you can subscribe for your free annual subscription on behalf of the Avail team. We can't wait to get that in your hands. Uh, you know, uh, Phil, the, the whole uh, Avail team, Dr. Sam Chan, Martine, uh, we really love you and appreciate you. Uh, it's it's so awesome to have an opportunity like this to, to just hear from you. Uh, we just want to honor you and thank you for all the hard work that you've been putting in, but, but also for contributing and helping us equip leaders with amazing content. Well, you're very kind. I, I really appreciate you guys. And I, I'm so respectful of what you've done, the work you've done out there and open up so many doors for people. And, and uh, you've done a remarkable job. So thanks for letting me be a part of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can you just leave a little nugget here in, in the hearts of the leaders who are connected right now? Just just maybe a final thought that you want to just share with them. If I was going to leave you with the final thought, it would probably be um, Really, the the key, I think, is understanding just how big this revolution is when it comes to digital mm. media. This is much bigger than we think. This is, as I said, much bigger than a new TV set. It's going to affect every single aspect of our lives. And as Christians, if we're not on the front end of that, we're going to really vacate that to entirely different thinking, entirely different ideologies, entirely different uh just belief systems. And so I just really think I, I would encourage you to do a couple things. If you're a pastor or a leader, number one, pinpoint creative people in your church and encourage them, you know, really reach out to them, encourage them, help them understand that creativity is important. And if you have young people in your church that are into video or into media, the web or social media, really help them, encourage them, make them feel like there's a real future in the church for those kind of skill sets. I think we as leaders have a responsibility to help pinpoint the next generation, encourage them, encourage them and lead them into the next thing. So I just really would encourage you to be on the lookout for those people. Look out for the creative people on your team. Encourage them, motivate them, help show them the potential of what they can do. And I think it will make a dramatic difference, not for your church, not just for them, but for your ministry as well. I love it. Drop the mic. I love it. What a great conversation this has been, Phil. Thank you so much for spending and investing your time uh, into this Avail podcast. And for everybody who's out there uh, connected right now, listening, watching uh, this uh, podcast, thank you so much for taking time to invest in your leadership. Uh, I I'm so honored on behalf of the Avail team uh, to be able to bring this to you. And Phil, once again, thank you for just uh, investing your heart and your passion, your family, your ministry in, in all that you guys are doing. We can't wait to see uh, uh, what's to come. Uh, and, and everybody who's watching right now, stay connected with us here at the Avail Podcast because you're going to continue to grow in the art of leadership. Remember, every Tuesday, a new episode comes out. Claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. Remember to check out, uh, go to philcook.com, check out his blog, check out everything that's, that's Cook Media Group. You're going to love it. It's going to help you. It's going to bless you. On behalf of Avail, my name is Virgil Sierra, your Avail Media host. Can't wait to see you next time here on the Avail podcast. We hope you've been intrigued by this conversation with Phil Cook. Remember to check out Phil's new book, Maximize Your Influence. 
And you can connect with Phil Cook at cookmediagroup.com. That's cook with an E at the end. And at influencelab.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Leadership Podcast.